Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy. Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. One of the things that we have talked a lot around is, is key account growth. And I know there's a lot of theory out there and we're very much about putting it into practice. So I'm absolutely delighted to have Diana Woodburn with us today, Chairman of the Association of Key Account Management. Uh, Diana, welcome. Thank you very much indeed, Alicia. Good to be here. Great to have you with us. I know you've written the book on it. You, you've conducted a number of research studies around key account management. It'd be great if you could kick us off with a little bit about you, your your career history and uh, wh- where you are today. Well, I suppose my career history is is very split. One, one being in marketing on the, uh, on the supply side and then a point um, because it's quite hard to grow old in marketing. So there's a, a point where I switched over to the consultancy side. And at that point, I also started uh, being interested in key account management and working with Cranfield School of Management into some of the um, early research around that. Fantastic. And what, what inspired you to, to make that leap from marketing um, in, into key account management? Was it through your consulting work and you started to see the connection between marketing and the, the value it could drive in, in key accounts or was it something entirely different? Well, it, at the time it was considered to be quite a, a new idea. And I would say that you know key account management is partly defined a little bit like ABM, I suppose, as, as marketing to a segment of, of one. The interesting thing about key accounts is it may be one organisation, but of course, go a little deeper. And very often it's not one organisation and it's a lot of people with a lot of different interests and ideas in there. So there there was a a sort of bridge between marketing and key account management and key account management was relatively new as an idea, certainly on, on this side of the Atlantic at the time. And that seemed to be very interesting. And I've I've been on that similar journey myself, Diana, having um, seen seen the impact, and and also as you say, these these accounts are almost like countries in their own right, aren't they? With um, different divisions, different buying units, different buying teams. Really, really fascinating. You, you've been involved in key account management for a while. I think you started specialising in it in ninety six. What what what's changed over the past decade, two decades? Well, I think when we started off, there was just a big question from uh, lots of people, lots of companies about what is it and uh, the frustrating thing is that there's still quite a lot of companies asking what is it uh, whereas we're pretty clear about that now and then it went into a phase I suppose uh, post 2000 in 2000 uh, noughties about do we have to do it it's the sort of oh gosh this looks like something serious that's going to mean uh, considerable change uh, for us do we really have to do it and then, you know, having, although you can't actually do a laboratory test on key accounts that you do treat in this way and key accounts you don't treat it in that way, nevertheless, there are good indicators that in lots of circumstances you really do need to do it and that, and that there will be a payback for doing it. And then I think for these days, for quite some, some time, it's how do we do it? And um, that's, key account management is, is a, terribly simple idea it's just that you know when you have very big important customers in a, in a b2b relationship they expect more than the average customer and you have to do things 
tailored to them. Otherwise, they're not very interested. And, and Diana, um, something that we've seen a lot is um, the maturity of how key accounts are treated. If I look back at the last decade, last 15 years, particularly in tech, financial services, um, and some of the more complex sectors in B2B, they seem, seem seemingly really grasp this idea of insight on accounts, um, really connecting the value proposition, building account plans that are strategic and have intention rather than a quarterly sales plan. Uh, are, you, are you seeing the same? Are you seeing anything else that's, that's really spiking in terms of improvement in capability in, in the organisations that make up? They're, they're very diverse. The, the interesting thing about key account management, somebody has key account management skills, then they can probably apply that almost in any sector because the issues uh, in in any business are pretty much the same. I mean, every every sector has its quirks, but nevertheless, you know, the principles uh, and even the practice of them are very similar in in different uh, places. But I would have to say that I think the, uh, the tech industry came rather late to the party because the history of big deals and exciting sales meant that uh, quite often, you know, if you go back 20 years, the big tech industries didn't feel the need to understand their customers that well and develop relationships with them. They were all about big sales. But I think even they have noticed that uh, that's not the case anymore. Besides, in businesses where you've got spikes, where there are from time to time some big project, where sales was inclined to go in, hope to win the project, and then exit while the project was... uh, was fulfilled, then um, they found that if they kept in there with a relationship, there actually was more business to be had in between those spikes. And that was good business and often didn't have to go out to a competitive tender in the same way as the big spikes. So I think people's view has changed uh, of how, what a relationship with, an ongoing relationship with a customer can yield. To keep the conversation going, join us at our annual marketing conference, together with a great lineup of speakers and experts, taking place on the 24th to the 26th of October in Boston. To learn more, visit wearemomentum.com forward slash marketing vision. How would you describe the difference um, between account management and key account management? Well, I think account management basically works within how things are. The, the idea is probably you've got a plan for about a, a year. You should have some kind of a, a plan. But what you're not uh, doing really is uh, unique and different uh, things for the customer. So you're not asking your company to change what it does. You're, you're, you're still, in a way, um, dealing with the, the offers that you have. And you would be getting closer and getting to know your customer better and have building a relationship, but it would be a, a narrower, shallower sort of relationship that was still basically enough, but not for key account management. Whereas in key account management, you need to build relationships with across a, a large number of the functions in your customer company to really understand how it works and, and what it wants. And that is, um, that's an investment. You're not really making an investment with account management. In key account management, the company needs to make an investment. It's, it's making an investment in the key account manager and the time it spends on that relationship. But that's likely to call it in more funds for, for something where there is a, a unique project. But you do that because the rewards are greater. Uh, and, and that's the point. The resource is higher. The, the reward is, is greater you start looking at it as a return on investment 
and it's a longer a longer span thing a a mid mid to longer term strategy so there's really um quite a lot of differences and companies that are, are sort of addicted to t- short termism do struggle with that yeah it's a different mindset um isn't it and Diana, in terms of organizations really doubling down on on key account management why why should organizations really think about it, it, investing in that mid to long term as you've described well uh, i mean across all markets i think uh, you've got consolidation so whereas if you go back uh, a bit you could as a company make quite a decent living out of you know the the mid range maybe the odd top range customer and a lot of other customers but the customers are getting fewer and bigger so the uh, the the wins are getting fewer and and bigger the prizes are so you you can't sort of pick up smaller amounts of business enough of that to make a, a good business for yourself so so that, I think, is different. Interesting. What, one of the reasons we exist as an organisation, I um, spent a fair bit of time at, at Microsoft and um, uh, one of the sales leaders that I used to work with, he, he told me this story of how his sales rep at the end of a, a meeting with a large global bank put down a, a stack of brochures, if you will, and almost as if to say you might find something interesting in here and uh, the sales leaders you can imagine had his head in his hands going this is a strategic customer and you know we're a global partner of this organization why are we not having a value-based conversation and and I think that for me has been a, a big sort of penny drop moment of you know how can key account directors key account managers really think about things from the customer's point of view in some ways le- less focused on on what they have to sell is is that an area of weakness that that you see today in in key account teams has that come on I think it's come on a, a lot, but I mean, you you highlight a, a point. There's there's a lot of research around that says that customers, particularly big customers, do not appreciate salespeople, sadly. But I think it's only about 18%, uh, one piece of research, that only 18% saw any value in having a visit from a salesperson. So, you know, that's <laughs> that means that four out of five of your, of your visits are, are wasted. Whereas in key account management, you're looking to to make sure that there is value from those meetings. And that, again, has to be on that tailored side. But what, what I had to say to see the, the difference that you can get anecdotally and, and out of a lot of experience, the sort of an average is that when a company is doing key account management, it will see the growth in its key accounts of about twice the rate of the growth of its other accounts. And of course, as they're big already, that amounts to a lot of, of new business. What's the, the right kind of culture for key account management to thrive? So a number of organisations I know have fully fledged CAM uh, operations and, and you don't necessarily see all of that performance pull through. Is there a culture um, that they should be embedding as they think about key account management? I think it's very appropriate that you use that word culture, actually, because we did some research uh, Kevin Wilson and I a few years ago into why key account management fails. Sorry to sound negative, but sometimes it does, and it's usually a failure <laughs> of execution. And some of those are uh, cultural factors. So one of them is not being able to differentiate it from sales and everybody thinking it's still sales and putting in sales targets and call rates and, and all sorts of things which are inappropriate in the wrong kind of drivers for, for key account management is one of them. And then strong, strict hierarchies, you know, vertical hierarchies are not terribly helpful. 
there isn't a structure that's perfect for key account management because it is really a cross-functional activity. It takes in sales, certainly there's an element, it takes in marketing, but there are logistics issues for customers which are just as important. Finance often needs to be in, involved. And so the problem is if you've got structures, then you know, the, the key account manager is sort of um, rejected from uh, functions and people that it needs that they need to talk to 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 make these uh, packages and offers uh, available to to customers because when you're when you're working with a customer the value that you can add isn't just in your products it's in the way that you work with them it's in the consultancy you give them it's the way that you service them and the way you support them and all sorts of things so teaming if a company knows how to team outside its structure that's really good for key account management but lots of companies find that difficult and possibly the toughest thing in in key account management when you're trying to put it in place to be honest is is power structures and um, traditional functions feeling that they're losing their power if they cede some of the aspects uh, around the, their function around the customer to the key account manager interesting and just thinking about those power structures and teaming, uh, Dana, are there a handful of critical processes that, that you always recommend implementing to really support key account management? You know, what, what would those top two or three be? Well, one of them would be certainly the proper um, objective selection of key accounts. Uh, it's, it's, it's rather alarming sometimes when you go into a company and say, how many key accounts have you got? And people say, well, it's 25 to 30. Worse if they say it's 100 or 1,000 because, you know, the key account, key account management is an elitist thing. There's no denying it. And you need to have a limited number because if you're asking com your company to do something different for a key account, no matter how big that company, there's a limit to how much variation it can make without sort of messing up all its business. So it's a limited number of key accounts. And what you need is a very good and appropriate selection process for deciding who those customers are. And it isn't histo just historical sales. There's more to it than, than that. So that's one process that's definitely uh, needed. Another one is uh, strategic account planning, because I, I would honestly say if, uh, if there isn't a strategic account plan, and those ought to stretch out at least three years, then you're not doing key account management. So there's a process of getting those plans produced, preferably with the customer, of course, but that, that doesn't always happen, but preferably with the customer, and then getting them approved and worked through. And ideally, um, they should be part of the whole business planning process. Because if you think about it, if your key accounts are, as they often are, 30, 40% of the business or more, it, it can be over half. That chunk of business going forward is really the, an essential part of the whole company's business. So what doesn't happen sometimes is key, strategic key account plans are made on one side. The company and the finance department does a, a, another strategic planning process comes up with totally different expectations and answers and then tries to plaster them onto the key account uh, managers. And, and there's, there's no correlation between the two and it doesn't make sense. So that's another process of getting those plans incorporated into the whole business strategic planning process. 
And Diane, thinking about um, what, what makes a great key account manager, we've talked a little bit about organization structures and, and processes. What, what would you say the top two or three capabilities are um, in a very strong uh, key account manager? I think the, the the one at the top, the I mean, the real role of the key account manager is to be an expert in the customer. And, and a lot of companies are still trying to make those people product experts as well. Whereas in lots of cases, the range of products that they are factoring into the customer is so huge, there's no way that they could be a product expert. And what they need is access to product experts when it's appropriate for them to, to talk to the the customer. So it, it's expertise and understanding uh, of the customer and interest. And this is this is the sort of thing you often don't see with salespeople who are only interested in the customer as far as their decision making ability is concerned to see whether they make the sale or not. It really needs to be that deep interesting of how the customer works, what its strategy is, what it's trying to achieve, and how you can add value. And that actually needs to be mirrored by great understanding of how your own company works. Now, that may sound obvious, and it, it's honestly the least that a customer can expect, isn't it, that you understand your own company. It's not actually as easy as it sounds, because some of them are so large and so dynamic that things change a lot. But um, factoring those two together is what makes these uh, unique and compelling offers for key accounts. So that, that's one. I think also boundary spanning, you know, this, this issue that, that key account managers have that they need to, to deal with inside their own company, but also um, in the customer's company. So that the last thing you need is to be stuck with procurement. You need to build relationships around other functions as well. So uh, those, those are two things. I would say that um, on the on the on the other side, um, key account managers are often woefully short in financial understanding, and they really do need to to uh, improve on that. Really interesting. I think I'll definitely take that that concept of expert in the customer away from this conversation. A, a great way of describing key account management in in, in a nutshell. And and Diane, just building on that point there around um, you know, key account managers, it's more than making the sale. It's it's more than executing. It sounds to, to me like you, you're saying that um, the best key account managers don't necessarily come from sales. Am, am I reading that correctly or do you see something totally different? I'm afraid you're right. Um, but the, the, the enigma is that most key account management do come, managers do come from sales because that's what the, the companies ask of them. You know, the, the basic thing often in recruiting somebody is proven track ready uh, record in sales. Now, the problem with that is that, as I think I've suggested, key account managers need to work with a lot of people, a lot of different people in teams. If you've got a person with a history, a sale, fully sales history, they will have basically been working outside their company most of the time, not really on a team. The sales team is not a team. They do not have the same objective. So they've been working outside their, their company and, and, and not really worked in a team. So there's lots of things that make it difficult for them to be the greatest key account managers because they need to be good team members and they also need to be team leaders. There should be a key account team in around uh, to support a large customer and the key account manager needs to lead that. Well, if you haven't much experience of that kind of, of thing, that's, that's difficult. And I can give you the example of a 
company in the uh, medical uh, supplies side that set up key account management, uh, and it, it uh, picked four. And uh, two of them were super salespeople, and one had been a project manager and one a uh, country manager in the Middle East, I think. And after a year, what they discovered was that the super salespeople were still super selling. And uh, <laughs> results were good, but they were no better and no different. And in particular, they were still only selling product from the division they came from, whereas the other two guys had got meetings with chief executives of the customers. After a year, the sales were not yet there, but after two years, they were coming through. And and that's what I mean by the patience and the, and the longer term um, nature. You have to understand that that is going to take a while, but it's going to be very different when it comes through. Very, very interesting. And I think I've uh, definitely experienced that firsthand of uh, key account managers, directors coming from non, non-sales backgrounds. Um, something, Diana, that we're um, getting pulled into more and more is, is helping organisations set up their key account management programme offices. And I wonder if this is driven by um, much of the, the themes that you've talked about, some of the organisational barriers, some of the individual barriers. Um, have you seen more uh, CAM program offices getting established? Is, is there is there value in that with um, bridging some of the gaps that we've talk, talked about? There's definitely value in it. I wish I saw more of it. And the I think anybody who's been in key account management for some time will tell you that the ultimate uh, structural thing is to have a dedicated function um, parallel with sales but not in sales and not reporting to to sales as such and then it's it's great if you have that separate function and you also have some um, support in terms of say a, a, a dedicated finance person and analyst as, as well uh, and a dedicated marketing person would be useful in, in that as, as well so I wish I saw more of it, and I'm glad if you're seeing more of it, there's not nearly enough of it. Let's uh, watch watch this space. Uh, Dan, I know one of our team is joining you on your, your key account program with Dublin University to cover ABM as, as part of your broader postgraduate program on, on the topic. Uh, what, what's your perception of ABM? Well, I think it, it's uh, obviously becoming a very powerful tool in key account uh, management. Um, particularly because we were talking earlier about the fact that uh, one organisation is still full of many different people and constituencies and and interests. So the the difficulty can be is to reach inside a very big organisation. And I think ABM can help immensely with that so that you can tailor messages to people that you wouldn't normally reach and and say the right thing, work out that what is what is the right thing to to get to them. So I think it's a very a very powerful tool. I don't think it's a substitute for key account management, though. Yeah, very, very much. Uh, it's, it's that complementary and supplements it. Um, you, you've talked a little bit about tailored offered, tailored messaging. Um, given that so much of key account management is about um, having that customer knowledge and is about developing that deep understanding of a customer and, and building those specific offers. That, that capability seems to sit quite naturally in marketing. You also, having come from a marketing background, should, should CAM be, be led more from a marketing perspective? I don't think it should be led by marketing. We are teaching key account managers to use quite a lot of marketing techniques 
to assist their understanding of the customer because, you know, you can get a lot of information, but if you don't organize it, it doesn't add to your understanding. And and marketing has uh, those techniques. But of course, marketing is used to applying those to segments of customers, multiple customers. And um, whereas the marketing people could certainly um, assist that process, and it would be great if more marketing people wanted to be key account managers. But given that I've said there's quite a lot of other aspects uh, to it, which is, you know, quite a lot of them around business and finance and under, understanding where costs are and where opportunities are. And the fact that there's uh, you know, logistics and R&D projects and things involved. I don't think it's appropriate the marketing would take over. And what's your take of, we've seen so much of that um, customer relationship shift to more of a, a digital experience, particularly in the last couple of years where there haven't been as many water cooler conversations, um, those in-person meetings have, have changed and morphed into a hybrid environment. Um, how much are you seeing marketing um, getting a strategic view or, or driving strategic engagement across key accounts? Well, it, 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 it's, it's useful. We recently did uh, a, a little uh, survey on digitization in key account management, which you know, particularly took in the last couple of years and the increase in that sort of hybrid working and, uh, and using more virtual communications. Um, basically, they, some people thought it had made the relationship better, some people thought it had made it worse, and some people thought it hadn't changed it. So, <laughs> so the, the jury's out on, on that. I think what it, sometimes with a key account, it could take you a couple of months to get a face-to-face meeting because people's diaries and distance and so on. Whereas, you know, you can do more virtual meetings, but I think everybody is clear that that's not a total substitute. And when you've got complex things to talk about, and the point is in key account management, most of the customers are complex and most of the suppliers are complex. So there's a limit to what you can do in a virtual meeting, but what it does do, which is helpful, is sometimes to hook in people who are part of the team, but physically you know, far apart, whom perhaps you often wouldn't be able to get into um, a regular team meeting or meeting with the customer. And you can do that virtually. But nevertheless, the person-to-person bit and the casual water cooler corridor conversations are all still important. thinking about your you've got extensive experience in key account management and there's a lot of deep-rooted procurement theory that highlights the challenge the real challenge of becoming a strategic supplier certainly our own CBX research tells us most organizations most buying teams have fewer than two trusted suppliers Mm. Um, and I know lots of organizations aspire to become a trusted partner uh, for their their key accounts what would your advice be for key account teams looking to leverage their relationships to try and overpower or overcome some of the traditional procurement philosophy well, I, I think you, you know that the, there's this uh, thing that's been around for a long time, which is an extremely useful way of looking at things called the Kraljic matrix, which divides suppliers into strategic supplier, uh, suppliers and leverage suppliers, uh, uh, etc. And you know, you advise that you first thing you need to do is establish where the customer sees you in that matrix. And if you're in a quadrant that you don't like, 
then you need to start thinking very hard about how you put yourself into that strategic uh, supplier matrix position. One of the things that companies do that doesn't help them, I think, is when you've got a large multi-division company supplier, then they often run their, their businesses separately. So the poor customer may have six key account managers from the same company or more. I mean, I've, I've known ones say that they might be up to 12, all in the same customer. And that's, it, you know, that's quite annoying, actually. But if you actually combined that, you could make your offers unique combinations, which would be far harder for another company to mirror. While you divide, you know, other people can offer the same thing. When you start combining all that you have into an offer, then that's much more unique and uh, potentially much more valuable to the customer. So that, that's the, uh, an approach I think that people need to think of increasingly. And that comes back a little bit to the structure of companies and challenging the power basis, I think. Yeah, to your point around those large organisations where they've got multiple divisions or multiple geographies don't end up with five key account managers really combined into a single team. It's expensive um, and, and, it's that, and there's a very big risk of shooting yourself in the foot at the same time. You know, it's just very mm -hmm. difficult to uh, to coordinate if, if that, the approach to that customer is not under one head. Yeah, no, re really good tips. I think to any um, key account managers, anyone involved in strategic accounts that's listening, I think uh, identifying where, where customers' perception sits, that perception is uh, is reality um, and, and thinking about how you can move move across that matrix as you've described are some really interesting tips that, that people should take on board. Um, and as you're given your experience, you're, you're chairing the Association of Key Account Management, Danny, you're exposed to a huge amount of um, wealth of experience and, and diverse um, programs. What are the, the two or three hot topics that, that you're, you're talking about as, as an association today? Well, ABM is definitely, uh, definitely one of them. Talking about ABM, ABM and digitization, generally speaking. Now, I'm not sure about this, but after the pandemic, key account managers have probably always worked uh, in a hybrid fashion. And, but it doesn't mean to say that the customers have or the other functions in the business have either. So during the pandemic, there's been more virtual uh, contact. And as a result of people working at home, then systems have changed for people to be able to do that. And I think what we're looking at uh, as the digitization, not only of the approaches to customers, but of other processes and things in the company, which means that they can be performed up off site. I suspect that key account managers are going to have to update themselves very rapidly in managing uh, digital programs and also going to find themselves doing more for themselves, things that they used to have to go into the office to do or get somebody to do for them. I suspect is now uh, possible for them to do um, wherever they are and will probably be um, asked to do that. So that's that's one um, hot topic around all, all kinds of digitization. And then I think the, the, there's this, this continuing thing of about sales. It's, it's really a struggle we have. And to be honest, it's probably why ACAM was uh, to some extent founded is to gain more understanding of what real key account management is and that it is 
quite different from sales. If I ask people how much, what's, how much is the sales element in key account management, um, there's a general agreement, it's about 5 to 10%. So in other words, there's an awful lot of time spent on, on many other things. And yet, people are still employing uh, salespeople for the roles and still giving them sales targets and, and still making sales boundaries to them so that, you know, they might turn up and want to talk to the logistics director and the logistics director is not prepared to have the conversation uh, with them. So it's, it's an ongoing hot topic if you can have such a thing, Alicia. <laughs> Yeah, um, if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like despite the market maturing in terms of understanding of key account management, there's still a lot of education to be done, given that it's seen as a, an evolution of a, a sales role. Afraid so. I'd love to um, get your thoughts. You know, so so much has changed, and we we see this um, through the Global 2000 in in interviewing and talking to them when it comes to key account management, when it comes to making uh, purchasing decisions, when it comes to becoming a strategic supplier. Of, of a key account. What, what do you see as, as you know, where, where are we heading next? If we fast forward to the next 24 months, you know, where, where do you think key account management will be? Um, do you see any elements accelerate or, or change or shift? I think it should be that the status and role of the key account manager has, has been promoted through the pandemic. Wise companies during that time, even when they had tough uh, supply shortages and bad news to give to customers, Key account managers became extremely important in communicating with customers and working with them to get out of all those problems as far as possible. Companies that left customers on their own because they didn't know what to say or hadn't got anything to to say will suffer from, from that. So I think probably this overall, because there's still a lot of concern with customers about supply chain security, uh, I think that um, the status and importance uh, and role of the key account manager should be on the increase in the, this next 24 months. Um, again, it's a sort of a continuous thing, but I think the experience during the pandemic should have given it a boost. And of course, there is a lot of discussion around sustainability now, although a lot of discussion about what sustainability is and what it means. But I think the key account manager needs to be increasingly involved in sustainability issues, matching their own company's uh, view of sustainability with the customers, because it's not necessarily the same. But they're being at the fulcrum or the pivotal point of that relationship. Though that, that's uh, something that they need to take up and work with. Uh, we're looking forward to, I think, as uh, ESG is, is firmly on the agenda across so many organisations, I think that sustainability point but is, is definitely key. But looking forward to uh, the role of key account management getting further promoted and that status getting lifted. Diana, I'd love to finish on. You've had so much experience across key account management um, and I'd love to, to hear from you on uh, what, what keeps you passionate about CAM, what, what keeps you excited and engaged in, in such a, a topic that is so detailed and, and continues to evolve. Well, I think you, you've nailed it there, Alicia. As I said back at the beginning, key account management is a stunningly simple idea. But what keeps me <laughs> interested and excited about it is how far adrift from that idea companies 
can get while kidding themselves that they're doing key account management when, when absolutely they're not. There is something about key account management, which is you have to, you have to take the whole. If you start shaving off this bit and that bit, pretty soon you're not doing key account management. And if you're not doing it, you're not going to get the reward. So when people say it didn't work for us, it's almost always a failure of execution which may be due to the the culture or or willingness to do it, but it's a failure of execution in in most cases rather than a a failure of principle. So what keeps me interested and excited is trying to persuade people to do it right and and to point out to them what's getting getting in the way and and how to do it differently. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing that charge continue, Diana. I've really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate you being so open with uh, your experience. I know we could have continued debating key account management, exploring some of these topics for for a few more hours. I appreciate your generosity of time in joining us today. Thanks, Alicia. I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you very much for the invitation. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy and pioneers of account-based marketing. You can learn more at wearemomentum.com.